Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Hey, this is John. And Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Better than expected. <laughs> well, 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 uh, Kevin. Oh, how are you doing, John? Man, I'm doing great. On a scale of uh, one to a hundred Nick Cages, oh. how, do, how are you feeling right now? Um, About this movie in particular? About just in general. Oh, man, I, I can't get enough Nick Cage. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I We've talked about it several times in, I don't know if we've regaled audiences with it, um, on the podcast, but like that, that article that he was talking about, like, why do you do so many movies? And it's like, is it, is it to pay debt? Which probably it is, but it's also, but also he's like jazz music, like musicians never stop practicing their craft. They're never at a point where they're like, I've done it. I've, I'm as good as I'll ever be. Yeah. It's like, I'm still learning all the time. And I love that approach. I love that mentality. And if like we're seeing, so right now we're seeing like Nick Cage, where he was probably like arguably his most, commercially yeah. um popular oh but yeah still this was just, like it for him this was i mean this was the peak but literally like in his career i think this movie because he had had the rock which was a right. easily like a superior oh film yeah and he and but he was that lifted him it. up and then this was like oh my gosh he's got another movie coming out where he's like doing the action thing and it probably looked awesome in trailers. <laughs> and you know? it is. And yeah, if you've listened to the first two episodes, you know that it is wacky shit. <laughs> and he is wacky. He's he's making a lot of choices, but we, dear God, we love him for it. Yes. Uh, if if you hadn't figured out, we're talking more about Con Air, uh, 1997's Nicolas Cage. Uh, yes. One of two action movies that he had out weeks apart. He did Face Off, came out like Ooh, three weeks after another this. Another really, really good movie. One or the other of those movies must have been hung up for a long time in post-production then for them to be coming out on top of each other. Probably this one. I think so, because <laughs> I think this one has the feel of a movie that got recut. So like, many times. Remade in the edit room, we you know? We can't figure out what we're going to do with it. <laughs> yes, there's a lot to talk about. We're going to get to it. I'll try to catch us up on yeah. what's been going on in the plot. So Nick Cage plays um, a character who is like a, a decorated war hero. He's discharged from the army. First day, first day back in civilian life, Woo! he killed a man. Man, has a, he has a death wish. He got into a fight to, to protect his new bride. I don't even know if she was his new bride or not. No, they've been together since they were in high school. Well, we've established, she was middle yeah, school. They, they've been together since they, they finger banged at the church camp. He was the substitute teacher church camp at her elementary job. school. <laughs> what a church camp hand job? Yeah, church That's camp. A band. Yeah, it is totally. Right it was a good trivia uh, team name for sure. Oh, my God. But yeah, so he's been in jail for like eight years. He's gotten paroled now. So they've thrown him and his good buddy. We should mention that he should not have been in jail for eight years. It it bears just going back and mentioning that like his lawyer was shit. It was the most justified clear cut killing or self-defense like of a man you ever could imagine. Right. No weapon involved. No malicious intent. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But him and his good buddy, Michael T. Williamson, A.K.A. Bubba, Bubba, not Bubba Gump. Bubba Blue, Bubba Bl- Benjamin Buford Blue. Yes, um, A.K.A. He was also in the movie Heat. Yep, <laughs> killer. But uh, Cage and his buddy uh, Michael T. They are being transported. Well, Cage is being transported to home to Alabama. Right. His buddy because Michael they're, T. They're building a new like maximum security th- penitentiary. They're opening thing. The, yeah the newest supermax prison or whatever down in Alabama. So they're populating <laughs> it with like the worst of the worst, including Michael T. <laughs> including Michael T. Who is never clear what he did wrong because right. he seems like the coolest the dude salt in the of movie. The earth, yeah, they've thrown John Malkovich on. He's like a mass murderer, yeah. arsonist, uh, bomber, Everything, kidnapper, yeah. extortionist. They've thrown Steve Buscemi in the mix. He's a mass murderer serial killer like 
Dahmer type or some shit. Yeah, he's supposed to be the Hannibal Lecter of the movie. We got Ving Rhames mm-hmm. is in the mix. Um, whole lot of bad dudes. Basically, their scheme is we've come to realize they're have been set up to bust out the son of some drug Lord from South America. So what's happened is they've all been thrown on the plane. Uh, The ringleaders, Malkovich Ving Rames got loose. They've taken over the plane, killed some people, uh, imprisoned all the guards. They have landed in Carson city, Nevada, presumably right. Swapped out some more prisoners and have taken back off. And they're flying to, we don't really know where just yet. Uh, and Nick Cage has got his buddy, Michael T, who's like going into insulin shock right. or something. He needs an insulin shot. Yeah, or he's, he's, going, gonna, he's going into ketoacidosis. Exactly, yeah, something like that. Um, also, we should mention that, that Dave Chappelle, who was playing <laughs> who was playing one of the convicts, snuck off the plane with the transponder to lead yes. the to lead the feds on a wild goose chase. And he, and he hit it on... Uh, like a passenger tour plane at this small airport. Right. Yeah. There's been like literally so much happens in every single minute of this movie. Like this w- could have been, I bet there was like a three hour cut of the uh, movie. It had to have been. This movie, everything made a little more sense. It should have been Con Air 1 and 2. It literally should have been Con, Con Air 1 and yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm going to try to get us through this plot lickety split just because I think it'll be funnier if we just try to go as fast as possible. We're both a little, we're both a couple of drinks in, yeah. I think, already. Um, wait, the, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Widow Jane, and it's delicious. I'm drinking rocks, Widow Jane as well. After a shot of Fireball to try to get caught up to you because you had the you head guys, start going. Because it's Friday and it was that kind of week. But anyway, <laughs> without any further ado. Oh, wait, there was one bit of shit that I wanted to talk about before we get to the proper plot. Yeah. Um, so there's like all this elaborate communications that have gone on apparently between Malkovich and like the Sendino cartel to set this shit right in motion. And I, how did that happen? I just, did they see, how did they choose Malkovich? And let's get in touch with this guy, Malkovich. Who's in jail. famous. Who's a famous criminal. Do they, is he like known as a criminal mastermind who I like, think, I think we should is. seek him out and he's, task him with. He's the Swiss army knife of like criminal masterminds. He's good at everything. Cause there's really almost no reason that they could have known he'd be on the, like the same plane or whatever, but it was like, we can get you literally anything you need, but we can't bribe a guard right, or anything like that. We can get you the anarchist cookbook. We can get you bombs. We can get you little whatever metal to hide under your skin. We'll get you schematics of the plane. It's so weird. I mean, but honestly, it's probably like Malkovich was like, no, I plan it or I don't do it. And was like, as, as, and I don't want to involve any guards. No paying know. off guards. That'd be too easy. It's just is such a convoluted scheme that's going on it, in this movie this, that I didn't even really like pick up movie? on until in between our last two recording sessions here. Yeah, this movie could have been call, called Convoluted, <laughs> but it's called Con Air instead. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, the action picks up on the Jailbird, which is the name of the prison plane. Yes. Swamp Thing is explaining to Sendino, who is basically their package they're trying to get home. Right. This, uh, this cartel guy who's riding in the cockpit at this point that they've removed the plane's transponder so that it can't be tracked. They're all very friendly with each other, even though they come from different prisons. That made me wonder, like, did they know each other? Or did Swamp Thing know Malkovich and Ving Rhames from, did they jail together before? uh, Perhaps, but I feel like, well, how did Malkovich find, I need this guy Swamp Thing because he can pilot the plane. He worked with me on a job back. It's like fucking um, usual suspects. Everyone knows (laughs) everybody. Everyone's everyone's reputation precedes them. That's the only thing that I can think of. And so uh, a cut shows (laughs) us that the jailbird transponder is hidden undetected aboard Uncle Bob's scenic tours plane, which is just taken off from, we reckon, Carson City, Nevada airport. Yes. This, from here on out, the movie starts to bend the laws of time and space yeah we are, we are now in a vortex <laughs> in geography the whole yeah. rest of the way it's like we've entered a black hole or yeah, something it's, now. it's like if you if you uh remember our series from over the top like a drug like <laughs> the, it's like like trying to describe or rationalize lincoln hawk's route around yes, the american the west took him by way of the grand canyon from <laughs> and like, monument valley and all these yeah. other places to get in anyway it doesn't make any sense so all of this is hilarious because we cut back to the the U.S. Marshal's office where John Cusack 
is saying that they're tracking the jailbird's movement using the transponder. What a maroon. Well, unless those two planes took off at the same time, which they didn't, they would know, right, that the transponder's not on the plane. The plane's taken off and the transponder's still... S- Maybe there's just a, the there's a lag in the signal. Or they even have headed off in different directions. There's a lag in... The, yeah, maybe. Also, so, where is CUSAC's office? Uh, where is it in the world? Like, is it's it, at U.S. Marshall's airstrip. <laughs> yes, right? Which yeah. in the script says it's Oakland, California. Okay, all right. But, I, and I guess it is, except that nothing else makes sense. Cause maybe, it's like, he's just, maybe he's using a field office, but man, it sure seems no, like he's holed up in there. It's l- definitely like where the Conair plane, where the jailbird, it right. seems like, was kept. Which is supposed to be Oakland, but he's moving back and forth from uh, Vacaville to this place right. like within minutes, it seems. <laughs> um, what? It, it, yeah. It, yeah. They never say it's Oakland probably because they know they that realize it's be like- if we say that this is Oakland, then it makes nothing else make sense. But also sense. Alabama is 25 minutes away or so. That's. <laughs> and then right? we're in some realm where everything <laughs> is either a two-hour flight or a 50-minute drive away. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Man, don't you wish... I, w- I wish that was the way life... W- wait, we, we, they call it um, bullet trains. Yes. They call it public transit. Oh, my God. So, anyway, a very concerned Cole Meany playing an agent Malloy from the DEA. We'll never say Malloy again. His name is Cole Meany. He <laughs> wants to know what the fuck happened and is if, if his agent Sims is okay. Sims was an agent they put on the plane, you may remember, in, in the second half. Yeah, yeah, I forgot who, to mention got, that one. Who got kilt. Um, Cusack's boss, Skip, explains that the prisoners took over the plane and the undercover Sims DEA agent is dead. Whoops. So <laughs> Meany is momentarily overcome by this news and shows some range in portraying that shock and sadness. But that doesn't last long before he starts blaming Skip and little shit Cusack for Sims's death. Cusack says if Sims hadn't snuck a gun on board, he'd still be alive. Which is probably true. Yeah. He'd probably just be continuing to like lay low yeah, and be absolutely. the undercover guy. Yeah, waiting for a moment to like help. But nothing that's happening on the plane is Sims's fault. And no. he's acting like, if your guy hadn't brought a gun on the plane, it's yeah. like, no, dude, this has nothing to do with whether he had a gun on the plane or not. Like, yeah. you've lost control of the plane. Well, he might be saying it's like Sims' fault that he's dead. He doesn't know how Sims Actually, died. And he he's doesn't like, know that Sims having a gun was, isn't the cause of it all. Right, but Sims, Sims did draw I, and like... You know, he could have sat still a little while. Anyway, Cusack's like, nobody carries guns on these planes. And it's like, dude, there's an arsenal on the plane. Your pilot's cockpit gun is the reason why they have a (laughs) gun. Right. So Meany says if he knew the kind of shit operation the U.S. Marshals were running, he'd have sent Sims (laughs) up with an Uzi. Uh, They yell at each other uh, for a bit, but eventually Skip breaks it up. Meany wants to know what the plan is now. We're working on it. Contingency plans for something like this don't exist. The situation's never been contemplated. Never well, yeah. been contemplated? That sounds like some bullshit. Isn't this literally the first thing you would contemplate? Yeah, this is, this is the thing you plan for. What if the guys get loose? Uh, that's the first that's thing the you first would think thing. of. <laughs> Not, what if the plane runs out of what gas? If nope. What if the wing falls off? <laughs> nope. Yeah, like the little in-flight thing on the back of the seat. This is number one on the list. Of Never been contemplated. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Well, anyway, Meany says, you better start contemplating because this is a, a situation that needs to get unfucked right now. Which, <laughs> unfucked is a great yeah, word. I, yeah, it's like fucked and unfucked. I, yeah, we need to c- conjugate the verb fuck. Do you remember the dude, Sam, who was on our, um, he came, he did point yeah. break with us? Yeah. He was talking about somebody at work, some athlete, and he was referring to like, this guy has just the right amount of piece of shitness about him. I was like, that's a, that's a killer expression. A piece I of, love that. Yeah, just the right degree of piece of shitness. No, it's just a quab, a piece of shitness. <laughs> yes. Unfucked. I love that. Get it unfucked. So Meanie gets on the phone, places a to-go order for some armed Cobra helicopters <laughs> from the National Guard or Air Force or whatever. I'll take, I'll take these Cobras from wherever you can get them from. I, I would love to know. I would love to see the, uh, like, the... The, the readiness list like what are, what are we rocking what's everyone I imagine everyone there was have a cobras? pilot on standby just waiting <laughs> yeah, for but the does call everyone have a cobra like every branch I it's it. very vague though yeah. who these pilots are and yeah. who who controls these yeah, helicopters as, as we will learn later so as he's doing this we see shots of helicopters helicopters taking flight back on the jailbird 
Reims asks Malkovich what they should do with a still locked down Buscemi. <laughs> Malkovich says he doesn't know, but this is no way to treat a national treasure, which I love. Another Nick Cage, Nick Cage movie. movie yeah. <laughs> I wonder if Nick Cage has a hand or, or maybe when people are naming movies that they know Nick Cage is going to be in there, like we got to go fishing. Like what if all movies that he's in, like what if there's a chain connecting? They them? use the word cage in dialogue about like four or five different times in this movie too. That's true. So you work the word cage in. Yeah. To the so Ving Rames asks, like, is that a good idea to let this guy go? And Malkovich leans in and says to Buscemi, love your work. <laughs> so good. Um, Buscemi Rames, looked very serene. Yeah. Yeah. So Reams like open, Rames opens the cage and tentatively removes Buscemi's face mask. Buscemi looks, yeah, very serene. He's very like one calm. of the more chill dudes on the plane. And super fucking young. Like Stu Buscemi at this, oh, yeah, at this baby like, like early on in his like popular, like, like the career yeah. that we know him for now. Yeah. So back at U.S. Marshal headquarters, we see Cusack and crew in a control room. They're tracking the transponder toward Arizona. <laughs> Do you know how long it would take to fly a plane from Carson City to Arizona? That plane? Yeah. That's no. a Beechcraft Model 18, top speed 225 miles an hour. Right. It would take like two to three hours each way to reach Arizona in that plane. And I don't even think it could make it without refueling. Like the range wasn't it's not long. That kind it of would plane. have to land. It would have to land, get some more fuel. No one's taking a sightseeing tour of like it, the Grand Canyon. It, so from basically, Carson what you're saying, like, like it's a, it's a, like a, uh, it's just an it's antique. A hopper. Like it, it hops from it's place an to place and unloads shit. Yeah. yeah, it's not meant to be going like transcontinental or whatever. Right. So we get another cut and see Uncle Bob scenic tours flying over what appears to be the Grand Canyon. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So elsewhere, Reams they made it from the from Carson City to the Grand Canyon faster in about, than the other plane made it from Carson City to Fresno. And what we would assume would be like twenty earlier. minutes max. They are going roughly a thousand miles an hour. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. This is this way air travel should be. So um, yeah, Ving Rames tells John Malkovich that Dave Chappelle does not appear to have made it back onto the plane. He's like, too bad. I liked pinball. That was a good delivery. I liked pinball. I liked pinball. Yeah. Uh, Cage enters the cockpit and says he wants to know what the plan is. And I would be equally confused. Like, who the fuck are you again? Like, why are you here? And Bing Rames wants to know. He's like, why are you so curious? And Cage says, you know, my life is also on the line. It would be weird, though, also if he wasn't curious, but to just burst into the cockpit. Yeah, when, when you know that you're not even in the pecking order at that point. Yeah. But then, yeah, so just then, then. Everyone's suspicious of Cage. Right. Like, everyone is suspicious of Cage. It's, it's bizarre. A like, it's I don't know if he puts accent. off the I'm not a felon vibes right. or something, but looks, everyone doesn't trust him right off the bat. He is a felon. He's yeah. here for a reason. Right. Yeah, anyway. or he wouldn't be on the plane. <laughs> so just then, John Cusack radios the cockpit, hailing Malkovich's character, Cyrus Grissom. Malkovich responds, telling the voice to identify itself. Cusack says he's a U.S. Marshal, and he's got DEA agent Meany with him. Uh, Ma- <laughs> Malkovich sarcastically offers condolences to Meany for Sims' death. I love that. I'm so sorry about your associate. Nothing is quite as sad as seeing a grown man pissing his pants. <laughs> That's a fucking vicious takedown. Yeah, yeah. media <laughs> is understandably enraged and starts like threatening Malkovich over the radio. And then Malkovich is like, don't let that guy on the radio again because any more lip from him and the conversation's over. Cusack's like, there'll be no more problems, no more interruptions. The guys left the room. Malkovich <laughs> suggests that to continue the conversation, we'll ask each other questions. Cusack's like, yeah, that's fine. Malkovich wants to know how the U.S. Marshals in Carson City were onto them so fast. Meany immediately, it's like <laughs> almost exposing Cage is like, it was the fucking guard. It was the guard. And like, and like one oh, of the sh- passengers put a tape recorder on the car. <laughs> Holy shit. So, this yeah. shit always happens in movies though, where yeah. it's like characters just get dumb. Yeah. So we should, we should mention that, that Nick Cage found a reel to reel on body recorder on yeah. Sims's body and stuffed it in the lead guards shirt as he was getting thrown out of the plane so that they would hear kind of the, like what the status was going to be, uh-huh. um, what the plan was going to be. So Cusack covers quickly instead and is like, uh, a guard faked a heart attack and they removed his gag. Everything's fine down here. We're all fine. How are you? <laughs> We're all fine here now. <laughs> yeah. So 
uh, now it's Cusack's turn to ask a question. He's like, where are you taking the plane? So Malkovich says, we're going to Disneyland, which is not true. So, and <laughs> Cusack calls Ma- Malkovich out for lying. But then Malkovich counters by saying, well, you were lying. So also, good but point. Cusack's explanation makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, totally. That's what should have happened. Yeah, you fake an injury just like you play dead like anything. Like but you fake a medical emergency. Is Malkovich supposed to be like a Hannibal Lecter level like genius criminal yes guy. in my mind he Brilliant. is he's the joker in this whole thing he's like the the clown prince of crime or whatever but he doesn't see through nick cage's obvious bullshit right <laughs> but anyway yeah oh nothing makes me sadder oh. than the agent lost his bladder on the airplane like oh what the fuck <laughs> he's all yeah he's he joker is a great call because yeah. he's like an unhinged yeah sort he's of, just Madcap, he'll like, say anything. Chaos for chaos's sake, no other reason. So, so after Malkovich calls Cusack out, Cusack like chucks his headset in frustration. Malkovich tells Cage on the plane, <laughs> he says, "We're headed to Lerner Airfield in the middle of nowhere, far from any response from the authorities." Yeah, that's a lot of information. It might Thank have you been very a, much. Might have been an overshare. Also, though. N- like him telling him, yeah, the name of the place, yeah. the la- the name of the airstrip where we're going to land yeah. is unnecessary. Yeah, it's like, don't you know where that is, sir? He said, we're 49 minutes from anything resembling authority. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is a specific amount of time away. Well, he's a criminal genius. We're one so. minute less than 50 minutes away. Well, then after <laughs> after divulging this, he promptly shuts the door in Nick Cage's face. <laughs> now get out of here. I don't trust yeah, you. Yeah, I don't trust you. <laughs> you can't be trusted. Now leave. So anyway, meanwhile, at some other airport, I guess maybe in Alabama, Trisha and young Casey Poe are sitting around waiting when they're approached by U.S. Marshal. That dude's Chris Ellis. Uh, a great character actor him. who's been in tons of shit. You remember him from Transformers, Armageddon, Apollo 13. He's like one of the all dudes the in Apollo fucking, 13. Uh, well, all those first ones were Bruckheimer movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he was in lots of stuff. And always, well, who was like, he in Apollo 13? I think he he's one of the engineers that's like, um, that like got to help solve this engineering problem. One of the NASA the guys on the ground yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, one of the NASA guys on the ground. They are in Alabama though, right? We, we reckon. Yeah. yeah. We, they're in it Alabama. would have made a lot more sense if they were someplace else. Yeah. Why, given what why, happens next. But why, they're, why are they coming to get them? Why are they needed? Why are they necessary? We'll, we'll get like to that. Rock yeah, where it's like, this we'll, is bring, a, we'll bring your girlfriend to where the missile is going to be shot. This is a fucking phone call. If you yeah. need to talk to her, but yeah. yeah, put them on the first thing smoking. Get them to Oakland, I guess. Yeah, we we think maybe. Um. So yeah, the this agent says there's been a problem on the flight, and that her presence has been requested by who we don't know, and that he's got a jet standing by for them. Yeah, of course. Right. So up on back up on the jailbird, it appears that Nick Cage's been waiting for a word with Ving Rhames, who approaches <laughs> asking, "Yeehaw, what's on your mind, Hillbilly?" Ving Rhames coming in hot. <laughs> I love. I love. He's like, "What was I thinking about?" Oh, yeah. Yeehaw. That's right. So uh, and, weird, and, and man. Cage, Cage says he just wants to know what a black militant like Ving Rhames is doing taking orders from a white boy on a power trip like John Malkovich. Uh-huh. Ving Rhames says it's a means to an end and that he's just playing his part and biding his time until the day of the dog begins, which I love. And then he's sort of like, shh, yeah. keep that to yourself. Yeah, like keep that, that under your house. Don't trust. Keep that under that bad <laughs> wig, my friend. So I'm gonna, Once we're safe, I'm going to turn the tables on everybody. Now, you keep that quiet. Including <laughs> you. You are going to die also. So we see our weakening friend, Michael T. He appears to have heard all of this and asked Cage, who plops back down in the seat next to him, what that exchange was all about. <laughs> Cage says, oh, nothing. Just that they somehow managed to get every creep and freak in the universe onto this one plane and then somehow managed to let them take it over and then somehow managed to stick us right in the middle of it. I love it when a character perfectly sums up the entire premise of the movie. Yeah. It's great. So there's a great moment then when both turn camera pans and shows that Buscemi's sitting across the aisle and I guess just like listening to all of this. And he still hasn't know, spoken yet. Like, he smiles meekly at them and Cage hilariously just says, hi, Garland. <laughs> I love that. That was fucking awesome. That was genius. Hi, Garland. It's like, it's like fucking, yeah, you're addressed the fucking mass murderer of first name. Hi, Garland. So we kept back to U.S. Marshal headquarters where Cusack's making the argument that this guy Cameron Poe just might be on their side and gives us his resume breakdown. U.S. Ranger, decorated war hero. Though he did a little 
little hell raising when he was a kid. He had no criminal history before his involuntary manslaughter arrest. He's set to be released on parole as soon as he gets home. Interestingly, he had the opportunity to escape from the plane, but talked his way into staying on. And he planted the tape recorder on the guard to tip the marshals off. Meanie is skeptical that Cage <laughs> might be an ally. Do the math on this thing. Yeah, no, nah, <laughs> I refuse. Cusack. I was told there would be no math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cusack then does a perfect job of summarizing what Cage's legal defense should have been. <laughs> Got in a drunken brawl defending his wife and killed a guy. Could happen to any one of us, including you or me, which would also be any one of us. <laughs> right? That's redundant. Oh, anyway, my gosh. Meany and Cusack go back at each other a little more, filling up precious seconds of runtime. I feel like they actually made both good points. Yeah, they did. Like, Meany says, these guys have no rights, like, to be treated civil. Right. Because they've forsaken civilization. And then Cusack's like, well, we can judge our civilization by the way we treat our prisoners. Right. Dostoevsky. Yeah. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. So then Skip reminds them that their only real objective is figuring out how they're going to land the plane. That's true. So unsurprisingly, uh, Meany wants to blow it out of the sky with helicopters he's got inbound. Cusack says this isn't DEA jurisdiction, but then Meany says it became his jurisdiction when Sims was killed and that he is now authorized somehow to bring Sims killers to justice using all necessary means. And is that how the law in America works? That I it, couldn't tell if he's like, bullshitting. Who, who has like they they have the agencies have to communicate with each other, right? Yes. But I couldn't tell if is he talking shit or is he speaking facts i think that he he's saying i've been given jurisdiction i have a piece of paper no it's matter how many people you have to kill no matter how many u.s marshals you right. kill right we have to bring to get justice the guys who killed this one federal agent right no matter how many other federal even agents the, even, we kill even though that dea agent was breaking rules he was breaking the policy you can't kill several guards and at least one person who is now like a guy who's set to be paroled and a dozen other prisoners just because they killed one guard. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, th for all they know, these dudes have nothing to do with the escape attempt. Like right. all the other people plus, on the plane. Plus Meany's obviously not up on the fact that there are millions of dollars worth of prisoners on that plane and we need them for the prison industrial complex. <laughs> yes, facts. <laughs> so um, yeah, Cusack reminds him that there are several guards being held hostage on board. Meany's like, Fuck that. Uh, they have no hostage clauses in their contracts. Who are you to decide the value of a man's life? There are innocent people up there, Cusack says. Just then we hear the arrival of the helicopters and Meany runs out saying, about time. Cusack wants to know, like, time for what? Skip tells him they've got attack choppers and we're going after the plane. Yeah. Why is Skip kowtowing to the DEA? I don't know. Yeah, he should be advocating. There's Give no us an explanation. Say, I've, my hands are tied. We were, we were like the State Department called in. Whatever. Something. Something. One line. Nothing that he could say would make sense, though. But I will say these choppers that they brought in are like, the fastest I, things in the world. No, a Cobra's top speed is slower than than <laughs> than Bob's sightseeing plane or than the jailbird. But they would it, never catch. But them. doesn't it look fast on screen? Yeah, it does look fast. Maybe these were modified. Also, the Cobra's range is like. Definitely so short that they would have to stop and refuel just on their way to get to Arizona. That's preposterous. Kevin. <laughs> so anyway, as Skip and Meanie pile into one of the choppers, Cusack's like be begging Skip to reconsider. Meanie tells him to fuck off and that his job here is finished. We still don't know what the pecking order is. Like who's what? in charge? Yeah, yeah, who's who? Who's in charge who of here? whom? So back on the jailbird, Malkovich is. Uh, back on the jailbird, Malkovich is telling everyone that in a few hours they'll be in Mexico somehow. <laughs> but first, they must change planes. He asks Swamp Thing what the ETA is. Swamp Thing, we should mention, is the probable Vietnam vet who's flying the plane that, yeah, that they, he's they awesome. brought into this just in. Yeah, it's a Ganey. MC, maybe? MC Ganey. MC Scat Cat. Anyway, he's awesome. He's incredible. He was in Lost. Check him out. You'll recognize him. Um, Swamp Thing uh, then gives us some math. At 228 miles per hour, it'll take 71 minutes from Lerner Airfield. Okay. I guess to get to Mexico. But then he no, says... No, he says they should... It should have taken them 71 minutes, I think, to get to Lerner Airfield. To Air get Field. to, okay. But he says, we're not going 228 miles an hour because something's wrong with the landing gear 
and the drag's too great and it's going to make us late. So Sendino, the cartel guy, says, that's not cool. And if we're late, the whole plan's screwed like, up. Oh, this is unacceptable. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like Malkovich then sends Ving Rames to see if he can figure out what's the problem with the land. I love that. What the hell I know about landing gear? Well, it's like, surely, yeah, surely any random convict knows how to fix the landing gear on this plane. Why not? Yeah, like... A plane like that, you can just probably set it and forget it, and Swan <laughs> Thing could go down and do it. But anyway, uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, so Bing <laughs> yells past a dozen other prisoners directly at Hillbilly. That's hey, Nick Hillbilly! Cage. <laughs> and when Cage walks up, Bing says, Cyrus wants you to check out the landing gear. Like, I love that. Hey, dude, I didn't trust two minutes ago. Yep. Come down below with me and help me. Yeah, we need you to do this thing. So and he when- says... Then I'll get to see some nice scenery whipping by down there. Yeah, so when trees K- and stuff. Yeah, when Cade seems Fuck hesitant, yeah, Ving Rames opens the hatch and gestures with a gun for him to get down there and figure shit out. <laughs> so they climb down in the underbelly of the plane and Cage flicks on the lights because I guess he would know right where the lights of are because he's former military. So they walk a few steps forward and discover a dead Dave Chappelle wedged <laughs> in the landing gear. <laughs> Fucking what? Yeah, it's just How like, did he get like there? Bent, like back broken. I guess he tripped and shoelaces got caught around the wheel. I can't fathom how that happened. I was looking the back last at we it, saw him, he was running, running alongside, alongside the plane. Now, I will say that the way the landing gear on the thing operated, it was like the, the door that housed the landing gear opened up beyond the... Right outside of the plane so it could have some like clipped him in the back but i still don't see how you get tangled up in the same it seemed like he tripped and it would have had to have been like his foot got caught in the there's no spoke on that i don't know no one knows anyway this movie yeah this movie like waved goodbye to logic a long time ago uh also it was a weirdly bad dummy of Chappelle. yeah like why not just have real Chappelle? He was too coked out to land, so like lay still for too long. <laughs> yeah. So Ving Rames tells Nick Cage to get the body unstuck and dump him, but then he gets distracted by like the car. He's like, "Oh, our shit, our stuff's yeah. down here." So a- as he turns his back to see what's down there, Cage looks down, sees they're flying over a small city, and has brainwave. He takes a sharpie <laughs> from the shirt pocket. He's Chappelle's was wearing Thank a God. he was wearing a guard uniform. Take, yeah, that's what I said. Thank God for that. Takes a Sharpie out, writes a message on the T-shirt that says, U.S. Marshal Larkin, landing at Lerner Airfield. Thank God he had that information. Right. Ving Rames yells for him to hurry and then points his gun at him and calls out, <laughs> Hillbilly, gotcha. And this was a, apparently hilarious, I guess, because then he grins real big and says, hurry up, man, again. It's such it's like, an odd thing to what do. What the f- I don't, like, so impatient. So Everyone loves when you point a light of weapon at why, them. Why were they in such a hurry? Why would he be in a hurry? Like, Except then later his time. on, I guess so. I, I guess to but, get the drag. Get the, get the but drag But honestly, going. like, dumping the body, though, is not as wise as it would be just to pull the body back up yeah. into the plane. Pull the body in the plane and leave it there. Dropping a body onto a city is not exactly like low no, profile. Not at all. So Cage unwedges the Chappelle dummy, drops it <laughs> out the landing gear hole. Chappelle's lifeless body plummets towards the earth. Down on the peaceful streets of Fresno, Major Garland Briggs from Twin Peaks begins <laughs> lamenting to his wife after bird shit, a bird shits on his newly waxed Volvo wagon. Every time I get her waxed, I get 10 feet from the car wash and then (laughs) bird shit. As the light turns green and they start moving again, a Chappelle corpse lands right smack on the hood and destroys their car. And then to add insult to injury, they get rear ended and (laughs) T-boned. There would be nothing recognizably human left. No, that body would have exploded. And he was like pretty, he was so pretty well much. intact. You could see his face in yeah. the windshield. And no, everything. it would have exploded. I think it would have killed the people in the car. Yo, probably. I mean, the, maybe, but I like the fact, I like the damage that it did to the car because it was like, it crushed the entire front end of the That's car. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a Volvo. Maybe it holds up. That's what I'm saying is like, there's still reinforcement under there, I guess. So meanwhile, we cut back to the jailbird, which is flying very low as it prepares to land at Lerner Airfield. For no reason in particular, Wait, we but see... they're supposed to be right near Fresno, and there is no land. That is not Fresno-type landscape. Shh, anyway. shh, quiet. Shh, yeah, quiet. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Don't tell anyone you know. For no reason in particular, we see <laughs> Billy Bedlam, who is a convict that we talked about early, who immediately had beef with Nick yes. Cage's character, like, wanted to throw what? down on sight. <laughs> he has decided that now is the time to confront Nick Cage. He says, 
if Cage really is doing 15 years in San Quentin, as he says, then they would have been on the same cell block, but he doesn't recognize him. Cage counters saying that that doesn't mean diddly shit because there were 160 fuckers on the block and he didn't want to know 159 of them. Which is a fucking, that's an odd thing to know. Well, but if it's, you weren't be, on that cell but block. it's also it's like be specific because then guys would probably be like, shit, oh, I don't shit. know if that's oh. true. So I'm going to back down. And <laughs> it, Billy, back, it backed Bedlam down. Yeah, Bedlam's like, fuck, I don't know math. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> so anyway, he sits right. back down. So as Cage sits down next to Michael T, sighing in relief at having avoided that conflict, Steve Buscemi breaks his silence. He's got a lot of misplaced rage. Name your cliche. Mother held him too much or not enough. Last pick to kickball, late night sneaky uncle, whatever. Now he's so angry, moments of levity actually cause him pain. Gives him headaches. Happiness for that man hurts. Late night sneaky uncle. (laughs) That's good writing. I mean, it's a terrible thought, but it's great writing. So Michael T. whispers to Cage, asking, like, what's wrong with Buscemi? And And then Cage is like, my first thought would be, a lot. <laughs> Back at U.S. Marshall uh, camp, it seems that Trisha and Casey have now somehow made their way from Alabama in 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Know. In less than in the time that it took for, to fly from Carson City to Fresno, they have made yeah. it from Alabama to Oakland. They are now sitting comfortably in Cusack's office. Cusack. They probably passed planes midair. Like yeah. they play. <laughs> Hello, Dad. <laughs> yeah. So Cusack pops in, says he's hoping that Trisha can help him bring this shitty situation to a peaceful resolution. Meanwhile, back on the plane, Ving Rames emerges from the cargo hold wearing a pair of women's sunglasses. He says the cargo he found is all of their personal shit. He's like, I've been down there rooting through all your shit. <laughs> I've, been, I've been sniffing y'all's panties. <laughs> that would go. That'd be a. Yeah. That would go over well. That would be awesome. With all the other Sally can't dance. Who is this amazing? Uh, uh, transvestite we guess a transvestite or transgender i'm not sure is perturbed to see ving wearing her shades their shades he's like hey those are my shades they're mine now sister men i love it love the exchange billy bedlam grins at this news climbs down in the cargo (laughs) hold cage looks very worried why is everyone obsessed with that's that's it's like every movie we talk about someone's obsessed with someone it's like (laughs) oh i got you now oh it's like oh motherfucker i cannot what does he think he's gonna prove a box full of prison records what the (laughs) fuck no so anyway this only it would make sense if he was like an undercover agent or something. But he's, but he's an actual felon. Yeah. He's lied to them, I guess, about that he's doing 15 more years when he's not. But so what? Billy Bedlam's a fucking like it doesn't mean anyway. We cut back to U.S. Marshal headquarters. Cusack's telling Trisha that they were told that Cage had a chance to get off the plane and didn't. And he asks if she has any idea why he might do that. And she seems equally confused. He suggests, like, well, a lot of guys, when they get out, it's like they have a problem coming to grips with, like, returning to society. And she says that coming back home to the family is all he's talked about or thought about for eight years. How how is this not a phone call? Yeah, I don't know. He's like... Fly the wife and kid out here. I want to run my theory past them face to face. I can only read. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't maybe know. he's hard of hearing. I don't know. So but has he. Do we think he's been seeing the wife in these intermittent eight years ever? Or has he yeah. not seen the wife or the kid? I, I think he must have seen them. She like she has to have gone to visit him. Has to. You would think so. But who the this is. It's all odd. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry. No, no, no. So, yeah, she says if he stayed on board, there must have been a reason. But she's like, look, if you see him, tell him to please come home. Come home. And there's actually that's like great acting for Monica. Potter. She was good. She's great in every fucking thing she's in. She's awesome. I love I her. Just, I love that Cusack flew Trisha and Casey cross country for a 45 second conversation. Yeah. All right. It. Totally worth it. Worth it. <laughs> he should have been like. Right back to. All right. Put, put him, him on, on the, the next plane, plane yeah. back to Alabama. Back to Alabama. <laughs> Please. Thank you. Back to Alabama. So just. No, then, I think it's like reverse movie logic where they were like, we got to have them there at the end. So we got to get her out to the West Coast already. So therefore, he's got to demand that she be brought to the West Coast because we have to have her there right. at the end. But like, that's not the way. It makes just slightly less sense than Nick Cage telling his fiance in The Rock, like, "Come out to San Francisco with me, so that you'll be there." And it's probably I'm sure an exercise. it's a training it's mission, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, just then, Cusack's assistant Jenny from the first couple acts enters and tells him, "Hey, you've got a call waiting. It's Fresno police telling him they've got a problem with a corpse that fell out of the sky." 
What's this got to do with me? It's got your name written all over it. Good writing. Cusack <laughs> hustles to a map saying the body fell in Fresno and the transponster had the plane <laughs> in Arizona. Did you pay attention to like he he says the last transponder tag was in Arizona as he clearly points at the Bay Area <laughs> on the map. And he's then thinking he's like, in reverse. And then he's saying then he's pointing to where Lerner Airfield is. And because I'm like a mega nerd, I went to a map and like yeah. tried to look this up. Doesn't exist, right? There is no Lerner Airfield, but the other things that were on the map are real. Right. That I found. And it's like there is a real Scotty's Junction and Quartzsite Mountain right. and whatever. And I found that. And it's like the middle of fucking nowhere, southern Nevada, which right. makes sense. But Fresno, nowhere close to being in between Carson City and this place place where they're headed. So movie, how did they wind up over this Fresno? This movie banks on the fact that 98% of Americans would be like, I don't care, whatever. Could the screenwriter not be bothered, though, to make at least... That's the thing that there's... You could pick any city you want to. Yeah. You could look at a map yeah. and pick a city that is in between and then, those and then, two and places. And place it. Place an imaginary city, uh, city in between places that do exist but make it closer to where you are you can actually you could have this is just like weird yeah it's weird decision making and and that's the thing is like in a in a coke fueled 1997 no one was checking anyone's math <laughs> that's so accurate um he turns to tell jenny to get him in touch with skip and meanie on the war choppers but she's way <laughs> ahead of him already hands him the live line Cusack tells Skip that the baddies are actually heading for an airstrip about 100 miles from where he is currently. Which is closer than Carson City is. To, Fucking hell. It's like they turned around. They're heading back towards I don't the Marshalls. Uh, but that place he just showed us on the map is not 100 miles away from anywhere. It, yeah. Like it it's is several far yeah. flung from any type of town where the U.S. Marshals might right. be. So Meany says, horse shit, and that they're en route to intercept the transponder in Arizona. <laughs> so Cusack says, you're chasing the wrong plane, but Meany and Skip don't want to hear that and shut the radio off. So Cusack runs to the hangar, says he needs a plane <laughs> or a helicopter to get him to Lerner Airfield in less, less than, than an, an hour. I need something that's going to get me there in less than an hour. And, and I wish I would have said, well, that's not how, like, time works but he said it's distance. only 100 miles away anyway but still it's how? like that's not how distance works <laughs> anyway a mechanic tells him you could drive it if you got a fast car brainwave hold everything yeah i get this uh, this is the last time we're going to talk about it but yeah. where the fuck here's what we <laughs> here's what we know they, <laughs> give it they, to us they appear to be at the same place that they were where they put the prisoners on the plane, right? You can see the hangar and everything in the background. You can see U.S. Marshal's car is US, parked there. U.S. Marshal headquarters has not changed position for the entirety of the movie ever. Oakland, California, we assume. Wherever it is, Cusack seemed to be able to move back and forth between there and Vacaville in a matter of minutes. Right. They're about 100 miles from, from Lerner Airfield, which is 400 miles from Vacaville, you can also <laughs> you can fly from Alabama to here in a matter of minutes. Yeah, less than less than half an hour. The piece less is than free. the amount of time to fly from Carson City to Fresno. Apparently, this is like a nexus of the universe where yeah. everything is close, but everything is also it's closer from driving than it is. It's to a fly. landlocked Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> We're in the quantum realm. Right. So Cusack runs to his car while calling someone to request reinforcements be sent to Lerner Air Base. While he's talking, he takes a long, thirsty look at Meanie's Corvette. Also, the Corvette had like a blue tarp over it. You could see it in the background when he was right. talking to the mechanic and in the, the hangar. No tarp. And then he runs out there, no tarp, whatever. Perfect. There's a lot, a lot of Tons shit of cut out yeah. of this movie, yeah. I think. Yeah. So cut to Cusack absolutely tearing ass to the desert in that self-same Corvette telling someone that whoever is going to meet the jailbird should proceed with extreme caution because it's only a matter of time until the bad guys find the arsenal in the cargo hold. Back on the plane, <laughs> we see that Billy Bedlam has found Cage's ship because he was like, on a on a mission, I gotta find that <laughs> motherfucker's box. Went down there to find Cage's shit in the cargo hold, and he's now reading his parole letter. He is obsessed. Cage quietly sneaks in behind him, 
Um, Bedlam's like weirdly handling the stuffed bunny. He was like fucking like it was he's coming. Like, oh, oh, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm so glad I found oh, this letter. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then Cage's like, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> I knew you was a punk and I was right. You've been playing us all along. You a free man. You a free man. I said, put the bunny back in the box. Bedlam laughs maniacally, charges at Cage. And I have to say that like this scene looks ridiculous because neither man can stand. So they're like lunging, like gorilla, like, like crouched at each other. It looks like a horror movie, like zombies in a tunnel uh, or something. I want to say, I might cut it back in. That is the weirdest exchange to precipitate a fight that I've ever seen. Uh, put the, the, put bunny. the bunny back in the box. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, Nothing. Cage. What has Cage done to arouse anyone's suspicion or their their it's anger that, is that wig and accent that's enough to kill a man right there. there's nothing that anyone could know from what they found in that box that would lead them to believe that he's trying to one fuck their has shit to up. think that like being hardened criminals when you see someone who is supposed to be he's supposed to have been enlightened i guess in yeah. prison that they're looking at this guy and they, they can just kind of tell there's something about him and that that rings true is like because you see someone in prison and you immediately say that guy is going to be my bitch or that guy is going to be my enemy okay. or whatever. There's something about him that they just don't trust. That is uh, an assumption from someone who's never been to prison, who's watched <laughs> a lot of movies. Yeah, That's yeah. the only thing I can divide. You just don't the, have the bearing yeah, of a it's prisoner. Like, it's, I don't trust yeah, you. Yeah, it's just like this guy doesn't look like one of us or but doesn't seem like one of us. Or is, I just don't like you because what? I don't like you either. <laughs> there's, it's almost like, but even if they found his parole letter, there's nothing that he's done that has really even anything to do with his parole yeah. status. So, so what if he's been paroled? He it's was more still like in about prison. To help Michael T. Yeah, he was still in prison. Get his insulin or whatever. You're not one of us because you've been paroled. Which <laughs> what the fuck? What? This anyway. is also the scene where Billy Bedlam's teeth have turned like mustard yellow. Yeah, they are. Uber yellow. <laughs> so anyway, they wrestle around for a while. We should mention it's real cramped like we did. Neither of them can stand up straight. In the fracas, some type of small metal pipe gets ruptured and starts hissing and <laughs> Whatever spraying. Whatever that little pipe was. Ned, yeah. I can't, you can't have a fight without a little steam. But also, I rewound that many times to see how that pipe would have popped up. How it up. could have happened. Nothing, nothing could have. It doesn't make sense. Can't figure it out. Anyway, Bedlam pins Cage down and yells, punk but cage turns the tables <laughs> kicks him back causing him to fall and, and be impaled by the ruptured pipe why couldn't you put the bunny back in the box <laughs> that <laughs> that's a weird kiss offline right. although that is a short and anticlimactic fight they had it was just yeah, brief they, i feel like they yeah, like in the first few minutes of the movie kind of built billy bedlam up to be more of a badass but turns out he wasn't doesn't cage have a real knack for like killing anyone that crosses him yeah <laughs> he's like just so he died yeah sorry we got into a fight and he's dead now. and he fell back <laughs> I, I wasn't responsible necessarily there happened to be some environment yeah killed him <laughs> meanwhile back in arizona uncle bob scenic tours cruising through the arizona desert checking out the vertical renoir cliffs amazing scenery yeah. it was like some west world yeah. or something close but. by a helicopter pilot tells meanie and skip they should see the plane any second as the plane flies up over a rock formation it nearly flies head on into the helicopters the good guys quickly realize they've been led on a wild goose chase Oops. 300 fucking miles to Abraham Mom Pa fucking Kettle. Love Cole Meany. Anyway, Skip orders the pilots to head to Lerner Airfield. That clue was dead on. A ASAP. <laughs> and to get John Cusack on the radio. Cut to John Cusack, still hauling ass in the desert. Back on the jailbird, Nick Cage returns to his seat, staring at his government-issued weapons that are his bare hands. <laughs> like the guiltiest motherfucker I on Earth. I can't believe I killed that man. <laughs> he's like Lenny from Mice and Men. Yeah, he <laughs> he's like, just like, I accidentally killed him. Yeah, Again. Yeah. Again. Yeah, Bushimi <laughs> remarks that two went down, only one came back. Cage indignant, indignantly says that, like, wasn't one my fault. Wasn't Bush, my fault. Bushimi says most murders are crimes of necessity, but the really great killers, your boys Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, <laughs> John Wayne Gacy, they do it for the excitement. Cage <laughs> says he has nothing in common with those maniacs and tells Bushimi that he too is insane. Now you're talking semantics. What if I told you Insane was working 50 hours a week in some office for 50 years at the end of which they tell you to piss off, ending up in some retirement village, hoping 
to die before suffering the indignity of trying to make it to the toilet on time. Wouldn't you consider that to be insane? Cage, Valid that's, a, that's points. a great point. <laughs> well, not the not comparing it to murder, but that is insane. Cage tells him that murdering thirty people is insane any way you slice it. And then, and then I love Bushevich is like not sequitur. One girl, one girl. I drove through three states wearing her head as a hat. It was amazing delivery from yeah, Bushevich, just like offhanded, like oh yeah, yeah. This one, this one time. <laughs> so it's my daughter's birthday today. So please feel free to not share everything with me. So back in the desert, we see Cusack roll slowly into an old airstrip plane graveyard junkyard <laughs> kind of thing. It appears to be abandoned because why wouldn't it be? It looks like like. Yeah, there's nothing there. Even he seems surprised that he somehow managed to get here before the plane. Oh, shit. That's all I took? Damn. (laughs) Remember um, that shit in Iron Eagle where the dude Nacho was like racing the airplane on a a dirt bike and beating it? That's the type of shit that was happening here. He's like, somehow managed to get here faster than an airplane. Yeah, doesn't make sense. So... I love the sign on the gas station, like the the fueling station says like 103 a gallon for unleaded regular. I'll take it. Yeah. Does it, Cusack doesn't even, does he have a plan? I think he's, he's just, just like here supposed now. to be there I'm and here. like staking things out to maybe like, but I guess, yeah, he has the radio. He can relay information. He doesn't carry the radio around with him. We should know. But anyway, anyway, he stashes <laughs> the vet in a shed and starts to look around back on the jailbird. Swamp thing informs the prisoners. They're going to be coming in for a landing and it could be bumpy. Did you jot the thing down that he said? Swamp thing? Wait, which part? When he's he's like, all right, you damn pecker woods. Oh yeah, crack the knuckles and hit the crystals. Yeah, no. the fuck is that mean? <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah. I was like, it didn't it didn't compute with me, so I didn't. We're write putting it down. this baby like, down in a sandbox. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, back at the airstrip, John Cusack runs up in the control tower where he finds food burning on a hot plate. Signs of a struggle. At that moment, the busted radio on the desk crackles to life. A Cessna pilot announces he's about to land. Cusack then finds blood on the floor and a body in the of the air traffic controller hidden under a tarp. I feel like there like, are already too many people here. Yeah, it's like, like wait, wait, what's, what's going on? This is on? not an abandoned place. There's yeah. people here anyway. Yeah, even on a rewatch, I was like, I don't understand what's going on. This is surprising. So just then, the jailbird buzzes the tower, circles back around for a landing. Cusack runs out of the tower, draws his gun. The Cessna pilot runs his tiny plane down and then sees the jailbird like coming in for a landing, heading straight at him. He bails out of the plane. That dude's cockpit was full of trash. Yeah. You know, it's like there's food. It was just dirty. filled with food wrappers. It was dirty, like dirty. some Dennis Nedry in <laughs> Jurassic Park shit. It was. Yes. Yeah. Fritos bags Newman. and shit everywhere. So Swamp Thing does an evasive maneuver to avoid hitting the plane, but it results in the jailbird's wings clipping some lamp posts and buildings, nearly taking out John Cusack, who's returned to the shed where the Corvette's <laughs> hidden. The jailbird skids off the runway, nearly crashes into a large propane tank, but Swamp Thing manages to get the thing stopped but uh, like buries the nose, like the front end of the plane in like the dirt. Yeah, it's not that bad, all things considered. Yeah, all things considered. So everyone in the cockpit shares a collective sigh of relief. Swamp Thing opens the cargo hatch of the jailbird. Prisoners emerge into the sunlight. John Malkovich, thank you for choosing Con Air. <laughs> I can't help but imagine how fucking hot it would be on July 14th. In the, in middle, the middle of, of southern <laughs> Nevada. Oh, man. Oh, boy. But man, that was, that was the exciting... Third installment of I this like that's series. The busiest act of the whole movie, almost. Maybe the busiest act we've ever covered in a show. <laughs> I would, I would warrant, like beat for beat. It's like what the ten fuck? things happen every minute, and also we're we were contending with lots of space time continuum bullshit. <laughs> they were time traveling in this movie. I they were. The jailbird is a time machine. <laughs> there oh. you go. That explains uh, that, everything. That, that, the whole movie is explained. Oh my gosh. Oh, what do we do now? I guess we'll drink some more and then come back and do another episode? Yes. All right, my friends, we'll be back. 